All right. Hello and welcome to RealCom's first webinar in the series titled Innovation Outlook and Reflection. I'm Chuck Neiswanger, your RealCom host for today's webinar, Results That Matter, and I'll add Future Projections. These are the final two webinars in our 2023 series, and they give us a chance to look back at the notable accomplishments, developing trends, and an opportunity to synthesize those trends to determine what to expect in the next 12 to 18 months. But before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. Thank you to our live attendees. We do encourage you to use the Q&A box on the bottom of your screen and submit questions or comments. It's always better when you're an active participant and we will try to work in your questions as best as we can. In the handout section, you'll find more detailed bios of our panelists. You can get a copy of today's slides. There's not many, but they, they could be worth it for you. Uh, we will focus more on interactive discussion today. For the best webinar experience, we do recommend closing out any other internet applications, especially streaming videos. We have a great panel, so you don't want to miss this. If you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, or video quality, the best thing to do is to disconnect, click on the webinar link again, and, and then reconnect in. Uh, you can also email Ian at ithompson, that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, even if you have problems, you won't miss anything since you'll receive a link to the video recording later today. And I've included my email in case you can think of questions for our panel while you're watching this as a recording. Just send them to me and I'll forward them along to the group. This Educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors. Predict AP is an AI-powered invoice capture solution built for real estate accounts payable. It leverages historical invoice data and proprietary AI to rapidly code invoices without needless data entry. They refer to it as intelligent invoice capture. Building Engines provides commercial real estate's most innovative building operations software platform. They help the world's most successful portfolios deliver an exceptional experience for everyone in the building. We are grateful for the contributions by these technology partners to our industry, to Realcom, and to helping us educate our viewers in sessions just like these. If you've tuned in to learn how to make your business processes efficient, think about what you saw in the past year and maybe how better to prepare for the year to come, you've tuned into the right place. I'll be your moderator for today's webinar, so let's get started. Just a quick reflection on some of the observations that I had over the past uh, 12 months or so, uh, thinking about some of the Realcom events. That's the Realcom conference. I, uh, I was able to attend that conference and have been able to for the past several years. CIO forums in London, Chicago, Toronto, New York, 24 webinars, CoreTech, tech briefings, case studies, buildings, AI, just to name a few. Major focuses I would see, say would be on cybersecurity, definitely on the protection side, but then a lot of it moving towards litigation prevention side. Uh, they also had the real estate cyber consortium, very active in the real estate community. If you're not a part of that, you definitely may wanna check that out as well. The uh, AI obviously has been a key topic. Probably when I think about my inbox metric, the number of conferences, 
papers, uh, journals, uh, and, and quotations are coming from people thinking about AI, uh, generative AI. I'll show you one of those as an example as we go through. Um, there is the development of the AI advisory board. I think maybe uh, Jim may want to talk more about that later, which could later on turn into an AI consortium, very similar to the real estate cyber consortium. And then there's data. And I think you're going to hear that overwhelmingly today, both detection, cleansing, integration, consolidation, analytics, because without that, you can't do the AI piece. Uh, without that, the net zero carbon goals are very difficult to, uh, to achieve and to measure. So the takeaway from that part, looking back, especially with this conferencing group, just thinking about Realcom, the depth and the breadth of the thought leadership, the learning and networking opportunities, the building community, to me have all been mind boggling. And I've been fortunate enough to have an insider's view into what I would call the anatomy of a world-class conferencing group. And I hope that everyone watching this webinar, either live or as a recording, will continue to take advantage of that experience in your own development journey. I'd almost encourage Realcom to think about commercial real estate certifications and continuing education credits for, for attending these because you get a, a tremendous amount of valuable information. I do want to show you, though, it's not all roses and there is some pessimism involved in this as well. I think about this survey that was just released by Deloitte. I just caught this just a couple of weeks ago and I've got a reference site. So if you want to look it up, you can on finding terra firma or, or firm ground. The methodology included 750 CFOs and their direct reports at major commercial real estate owners and investment companies around the world. And it was pretty negative. I think the, uh, the, the revenue forecast uh, was for decreasing in 2023 in North America, went up from the previous year from 43%, now 60%. Same thing in Europe from 52%, now 66%. The areas in the next 12 to 18 months that are likely to worsen, actually a large group voted in the areas of cost of capital, uh, capital availability. You'll see some of these also here where cost of capital, the optimism dropped by 14% from the previous survey. In the capital availability, another 14%. Vacancy levels, another 14%. Leasing activity also dropped. But I would say there is some hope, and we'll hear a little bit about that too. We saw this from, uh, this was from uh, Laura Krashkova from Insights, and she's from Smart Capital, talking about the possibility of making efficiency the big target for the years to come. And chat GPT and, and AI are going to be a big part of that. So without further ado, let me bring on the Realcom team. Uh, and, and I wanna ask a few questions directly to them as we prepare for moving into the next year. So um, welcome, welcome. Let me start with Lisa. First of all, Lisa is a, one of the managing partners. She's a senior vice president for business development. Howard Berger is also managing partner, senior vice principal, vice president for programs. And uh, of course, Jim Young, CEO and founder of Realcom. Lisa, let me start with you because you've got such a pulse on the vendor community when it comes to 
the expo floor, conferences, forums, webinars. What are you seeing as far as vendor participation and trending? Hi, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Um, you know, I think the um, I think the trajectory is is definitely on the upswing um, since since COVID. Um, we've we've seen an uptick in the number of of participants at our you know at our conference and and across the board. Um, you know, at, at at a number of different events. But you know, I mean, when we were uh, we were coming out of COVID um, in 2022. We had our conference in, uh, you know, in the uh, November timeframe and then or I'm sorry, 2021 and then going into 2022, um, you know, we started out with about 135 in 2021. Um, we were in Scottsdale, a different, you know, different scheduling sort of thing. And uh, and then that increased for 2022. We saw a lot more sponsors coming in. And then this past year, 2023, in Las Vegas, we had about 176 exhibitors, um, a little over 200, about 214 um, sponsors. When you add the sponsors, the total number of vendors participating. But I think the biggest thing that I saw was um, a lot more engagement from some of the big guys. You know, we have uh, we've been trying to engage with uh, with the big manufacturers like Johnson Controls and Siemens and Schneider and Cisco and and Honeywell, and uh, and we really saw a big difference in in those guys engaging in real estate and approaching their uh, their solutions and their clients and and their their suite of services in a more holistic approach. And, and, you know, everybody knows them as manufacturers, but what they were trying to do was really broaden their footprint and look at the buildings um, in a more comprehensive manner. So that was one of the big things, I think, and that has continued. You know, Johnson Controls came in really big this year. Um, Cisco had a big presence at, uh, at Cortex. So I think going into 2023, we're going to see, uh, or 2024, we're going to see a lot more engagement with, uh, you know, with clients, with partnerships. I think that's a big focus. They're asking a lot more questions. They're listening a lot more. I, I know a lot more companies across the board are doing uh, more surveys, more polling, asking more questions of their clients, um, really being more thoughtful and intentional about what they're uh, what they're saying, what they're proposing, um, and working more hand in hand with clients than just coming in and you know sponsoring a webinar, or sponsoring a conference, or coming in and, and and having an exhibit you know on the floor. It's a lot more intentional and and a lot more meaningful. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, a lot of the uh, the companies have looked internally. I think. And, uh, and looking at what does it mean, what does our role mean in the broader industry perspective, as opposed to just what's the best, you know, what, what is the best course of action for us as an organization? Right. How can we really be big, part of the bigger picture? And how can we move the needle? And how can we be part of the bigger solution in helping real clients? Yeah, yeah I think the, the vendor uh, expo floor, the layout and, and uh, that piece, of course, it reflects a little bit on the community and the the number of startups, and I think that's gonna those are gonna get consolidated. Let me move over to Howard real quick too. Thank you, Lisa. Howard, uh, welcome back from London, by the way, and uh, oh, glad uh, to made it back safe. Um, what are you What are you sensing as far as uh, the partnerships and the the businesses and the interaction that you've seen from vendors, not just at the, at the conference, but also in these forums? You just did uh, several in London, Chicago, Toronto, New York. A lot of those there. What, what What's your sense of what the vendors are bringing? Uh, I'm for, you know from the vendor side. Um, 
especially well, well starting with Canadian vendors I'm seeing uh, a number of them looking at um, really trying to push into um, uh, into the US uh, that have some very very interesting uh, uh, you know applications and solutions uh, looking to develop uh, strategic relationships with uh, distribution channels and uh, strategic partners uh, here in the U.S. and I think that's I, I think that'll be good for us because they're you know they're uh, the Canadians are doing some pretty interesting things um, and uh, it's I, I think it, it'll benefit us all to be able to start taking advantage a, a little bit more uh, of some of their thinking and some of their solutions. I uh, just came back from the U.K. and um, it. You know, there has been quite a, you know, over over the years, it seemed to me that UK and Europe weren't as interested in what we were doing in the US. Uh, they were kind of moving at their own pace. Um, but I'm sensing a, a, a much greater interest in what's happening around the world. Uh, I know there's been a, recently an Australian contingency in the UK that have been, that started developing some really, uh, I, I think, fruitful, smart building um, related relationships, um, and uh, in fact, on uh, just on the AI front, I, I, I helped one of the. I worked with one of the major owner uh, investors in the UK. Uh, you know, put together a trip here to the. You know, kind of a, a, a learning journey here to the US to meet with a dozen or so uh, CIOs and CTOs to see what we're doing here in the US with relation to AI. Um, there are some fundamental differences. They're very serious, uh, you know, in the UK and the EU on on carbon uh, uh, carbon uh, regulation and greenhouse gases. There's no, uh, they take it very seriously. Uh, they have an EU climate law, uh, which they've just increased their current um, uh, uh, their current reduction goals uh, from 40 percent to 55 percent by 2030. Um, and they they're claiming they're going to be new their neutrality is going to be legally binding by 2050 so they're going to put teeth in these laws you know and they, they've historically had some pretty stringent cyber and privacy regulations with GDPR uh, they've also uh, starting to put together some standards and frameworks through the EU Parliament uh, AI Act uh, on the around the use and the sale of AI. So they're, you know, they're, they're trying to develop, you know, they're, I, I, I would say on the technology front, uh, they're lagging a little bit, uh, but they are taking a, a, a measured approach uh, to, you know, to uh, standards and frameworks. Well, I think uh, for, uh, for the smart building side, we'll save a little bit of that discussion for next week because that's a, a bigger focus. But I did notice when I looked through the agenda for your CIO forums, AI popped up probably 50, 60% of the time for the subjects that were going to be discovered. And looking back on 23, you started Buildings AI Conference. Can you comment a little bit about the, uh, is it, I don't know if it's exponential growth in the interest of AI and what people are actually doing, real results, real case studies that you had uh, several AI featured case studies. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, as you know, since November 2022, there's been a lot more discussion about how, how do you, you know, how do you properly do a general enterprise data strategy, um, which, uh, you know, 
the, the acceleration of more mature conversations around data strategy in general, uh, I've heard, uh, and, and those, that's been a common theme. Um, the um, it, data integrity becoming super important, especially for carbon investor reporting. Uh, there's, uh, uh, you know, one of our objectives, you mentioned uh, our AI advisory group and our buildings AI. I mean, our object, we, we started that AI advisory group in July, right after the conference. And then from that, uh, we launched Buildings AI in November. And our objective is really twofold, I think. And I think the timing was really perfect. You know, back in, uh, you know, back in, uh, in the spring uh, and up to the conference, there's a lot of chatter and hype flying around uh, about uh, AI technologies. And, and folks fully didn't understand it. And I think they were subject to some risk in playing around with it. Uh, so our goal is bring in some industry actors and really level set expectations, help cut through the hype. Yeah, I think um, you're going to. I think you're going to see. Obviously, when we think about looking at 2024, you're going to see a lot more of that. Let me get Jim in on the conversation too, Howard. Uh, Jim, uh, I, I know you've got some perspectives, and you know you were working hand in hand with Howard on this, you know, buildings AI piece. But just start a little bit, maybe your re reflection, some of the main things that you saw. Uh, uh, last year and uh, a little bit of your thoughts of what you put together here. Yeah, so just a, a comment on the buildings AI conversation. It's really a process that occurs with all big topics in our industry, right? You hear mumblings, there's a couple few early adopters, innovators, and people start hearing about it. And um, I, I, I really equate what I'm seeing in AI to what we were seeing with the internet in 1995. I mean, people were still on CompuServe and AOL. This thing called the internet starts poking around, you know, gray screens with red text, HTML. And, and people, you know, Bill Gates included said, this thing's a fad, right? And so, and now we're, we're literally having a business meeting on the internet, okay? And so what I tell people with AI is it's as big as the internet, and and it's still fuzzy it's still confusing but you got to lean in even if, if it's in a small way and our our having buildings ai probably the fastest event we've ever spun up um because we wanted to get a foundation going into 2024 we wanted to see who was leading who was leaning in were there real case studies so now we've got a phenomenal foundation for 2024 to put a non-hype non-shiny new object perspective on ai at the conference um, okay coming coming up so all right, so you asked me to give everybody a 25-year perspective. A few of us on this call um, are um, basically old enough to have been through multiple cycles, right? So the, the whole idea here is just to, in five minutes, give you some context as to what we can expect in 2024 as it relates to what we've seen over the last 25 years. So let me, um, all right, so some general observations. This is not a 10-year cycle. Uh, I pull everybody. Um, this is a paradigm shift, okay? And it's not just um, a, a small paradigm shift. It, it's a major paradigm shift, okay? And, and, and P.S., the, the, the bus has left the station. We are never going back to a non-tech-impacted building ever again. It's just going to continue. But if you look at, you know, one paradigm shift, meaning, you know, are we using office different? Are we using retail different? I believe there's six paradigm shifts going on at the same time. You see them all listed here, technological, financial, biological, climate, globalization, and demographics. These all impact how we build, design, 
manage, lease, transact, and use space, every single one of these. So uh, the message here is it's, this is not a cycle, this is a paradigm shift. And I ask everybody that question in the last six months, they're all agreeing. And then the last big general observation is the prop tech industry is no longer just the United States. As Howard mentioned, just came from the UK. P.S. We have to keep our eyes on Asia. Nobody really talks about Asia, China, Japan, Korea. These folks are moving ahead at lightning speed with smart buildings, smart districts, smart buildings, doing things that we've been talking about, but for some reason they're actually getting them implemented. So I would, I would say if we're going to have a real legitimate real estate technology conversation, we have to expand our scope to the whole planet, and that includes keeping our eye on what's going on in Asia. Um, the biggest challenges we have is the cycles we go through in the industry, up, down, you know, we get excited, we retreat, we talk in this FOMO and, and new shiny new object thing has hurt our industry so bad. It hurts all industries, but you can't get excited um, and then fall back. And, and you have to have a, a, a long, mature, comprehensive strategy that just continues despite the cycles, right? We can't afford tech. Uh, when we have no money, we have the money, we, we don't care about tech, right? So, yeah, I would just hope that in the future that we learn from past cycles and we get rid of them. And P.S., we are back to show me the ROI. Uh, we're going to see in the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months, uh, you're not going to get many tech projects through unless there's a legitimate ROI. Um, and then uh, we have to learn to, you know, in a, we're, we're still fragmented, different departments not talking to the other, different parts of a real estate transaction not talking to each other. If I could wave my magic wand, we could get everybody on the same page in the same room. We've tried to do that at Realcom and IBCon and Cortec for years, get all the stakeholders together so we can get decisions made and move forward. So we got to get rid of the fragmentation. And then, you know, the last 15 years, there is so much money been thrown into this industry. Uh, you know, investment money. And frankly, I do not think we've got the return on investment. I know we're going to debate and discuss that a little bit later, but by go, you know, since 2009, we've been pumping money into companies. And I think it's time for the industry to hold these companies accountable. You know, after five, seven, 10 years of, you know, being a startup, it's time to show that you can do it on your own. Cash flow is there, good market uh, is there. So um, I, I, hype is powerful and, and it's always been powerful. And We've tried to always maintain a level set, middle of the road perspective, and um, uh, but it's hard. It's, it's a very powerful movement. Um, the, the biggest wins, A plus to our big enterprise platform players, as Lisa mentioned, Yardi, MRI, RealPage, VTS, and I'm, I'm missing many major other ones uh, that, that, um, that are major participants in our industry. On the smart building side, Lisa mentioned Johnson, Honeywell, Siemens, Schneider. They're coming in with a force. They stayed away from the, the next generation cloud um, smart edge device conversation for many years. They're back, right? So I think a lot of the innovation that was inspired in the last 10, 15 years has made its way into the big companies and they're coming um, with, with, a, with a force. I, I think our community, um, we're committed to less hype, more strategic comprehensive thinking, and that is a big A plus. Um, you know, and I, I give it to all the people, especially the, you know, the ones that are on this call and many others like them that get in rooms and debate and discuss and share, even though they may be competitors. Um, and, and that goes to my last biggest one. I, I believe our IT and OT community is one of the most collaborative industries in the world. We've had people come from outside of our industry uh, and tell us, how do you, why and you guys share so much? And, and this is great. I can learn. I'm a newcomer to the industry and people will embrace me and share with me. 
uh, again, uh, the, some of the people we have on, on this webinar today are, are some of the biggest folks that contribute and share. Uh, my last thought is the digital transformation in our industry has been slow, uh, but it's been happening over the last 25 years. Pandemic came through gasoline on the fire. Everybody was introduced to work from home and remote building management, all these other things. Um, and then we, you know, we have to look at how we're going to make up the difference and bring that tech into the built environment at an accelerated rate. Okay, we, so it's it, we we're going at a reasonable pace, a little slow. Pandemic hits, boom. Now we have to deal with all these technologies moving at crazy paces. We got all this building that's buildings are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. How do we do this? Especially since your earlier slides indicated we are in a financially economic challenging times, right? The, the real estate industry is going through some, you know, difficulty with over uh, leverage debt, buildings that aren't fully utilized. And so how do we take all these new ideas that are coming at us with this force and do it at a time when budgets might be fine? Um, you know, I think uh, it was a great, great points, Jim. And uh, I think we're going to see these points echoed by our, our panel. We'll right. see how one it goes. final point, one final point, Chuck. History will prove that more innovation will take place during the ROI phase than the hype phase, and that's a good that's a good message for the industry. Well, let's bring Jim Whalen on and see what he has to say about all this, Jim. So I appreciate you guys, uh, and we'll we'll bring you back on towards the end, and we'll have a, a full panel discussion. So Jim awesome. Whalen, welcome, Jim Whalen. If anybody doesn't know, I'm Senior Vice President, CIO, CTO, Boston Properties. Welcome, Jim. Good to see you, Chuck. What are your thoughts, man? Oh, well, uh, first of all, I love the tee up here. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll focus uh, just some opening comments just, uh, you know, as I see as inflection points on two macro areas. So, so number one, you know, we have dynamics playing out in the office market, the office sector, you know, so we have a real uh, and sustained flight to quality in a climate with some economic uncertainties. Uh, while our, it, the industry sectors that we serve ground themselves in new working norms, right? So I'll, I'll leave that as a statement, right? And you know the hyper uh, mobility of the job market has settled. In office norms for the work week are settling, right? So and we've seen uh, you know since Labor Day incremental, really across. I mean, in many of our clients. Uh, incremental improvements in return to work, you know, uh, as we've kind of gone through this. So, so, so as we enter 2024, um, Chuck, you know, I just see you know, the office sector has more knowns, has more reference points to respond and compete, right? And, and you know, going back to your first slide, you know, we have some terra firma in my view, right, to pivot um, as we think about 2004, uh, 24, and moving on. So that's just, you know, responding to some of your earlier slides. But the second is really, I think, about the inflection point of technology change. And as a technology, and I know uh, Elon will be probably echoing some of this, you know, the last eight years have been just defined by the cloud, cloud first, cloud enabled solution. You know, it has been an unprecedented, another unprecedented period um, of, of innovation in my career. And, and again, Jim mentioned going through cycles. It's really been incredible. Now we're accelerating, accelerating that with AI. So, you know, I look at like two or three years down the road and we will have AI first solutions, not cloud first solutions. And just think about that paradigm um, you know, if we, we kind of advance, advance focus. So, what does that, what does that, what does that mean for BXP? What does it mean for our industry? And I'll focus, you know, my comments on a couple of the enablers. So I'll just three quick hits. And okay. the first is compete with data, 
right? And it's only going to be amplified, uh, you know, with AI across all aspects of our business, you know, which we uh, as BXP view as a differentiator. Um, so that's, that's number one. The second, in my mind, is like, you know, our solution providers either align to these new enabling technologies, again, amplified by AI, some haven't gotten out of, haven't done cloud first, you know, or they don't, or they don't, right, Chuck? So, yeah. so which I believe is going to create new opportunities in the market, you know, not everyone executes equally or successfully and, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, and that's both for our smaller and larger, our, our larger partners. So I'm, you know, so that, that's another dynamic I think is playing out. And the third that I'll kind of comment on is, you know, many of us are finishing our, our journey to the cloud for our enterprises, how we run our companies, but facility systems, it's clear as day, are gonna to move to the cloud. The running of our facilities is gonna be in the cloud. And I don't think we're, we're, we're prepared as an industry uh, to, 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 to deal with this, but, it, but all these enabling technologies that are enabling our enterprises are now gonna be applied to how we run our buildings and so again, you know, I, I know we've been talking about smart buildings for 20 years, but I, you do see this journey. And so, that, so that's why I'm, I'm excited about the second half of this decade or this decade. Like we're going to, I can't believe it's 24, right? We're entering 24 already in terms of the pace. Um, and so it's, I, I'm, I'm, I, again, I'm, uh, I'm always a glass half full guy, right, Chuck? And uh, I just see, see that, see some of these uh, kind of enablers um, in the environment. All right. Well, I, I'm throwing all my questions out. <laughs> compete with data. Obviously, we've got you know, several people watching this live. We've got several people that are watching this as a recording now. How are when they're like, we're not even sure where to get started as far as how to consolidate all of these third party data sources that we've got to bring these together. We can't begin to do AI. We can't begin to think about measuring net carbon zero. We can't begin to do real meaningful analysis and role-based uh, data visualization. What's your advice to somebody if yeah. they're like, well, so you, you, you got to start on the journey, Chuck. You got to start. You got to build cap. You got to build capacity and capabilities inside your organization or with a partnership, right? And and the thing is, again, cloud is enabling the 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 approachability of these technologies and the application of the of data and data analysis tools. So again, it's building. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm not touting BXP, but we pivoted to data in 2008. Right, so custom software was over, and we pivoted, and we we applied it to our financials, then we applied it to our space and rent and forecasts, and then we applied it to energy, and then we applied it to occupancy, and we're applying it to some several things that are on the radar right now. And I again, I think um, you know, and and when I started the business case, Chuck, and built the business case, I had one of the points I had was this is going to have unexpected results on our journey. Like you could, because you build capabilities, you build capabilities, and then how do you apply those capabilities? And, you know, we've done both uh, internal, you know, internally building our team as well as leveraging outside partners to really execute on a data data strategy. And we, again, we think it's a way of competing, right? I think the, the data piece, I want to show the audience a couple of real quick slides, uh, just some uh, summary slides from your website. Uh, now, Boston Properties saying they're going to achieve carbon neutral operations by 2025, not 2030, not 2050, 2025. Also, you can see there uh, several awards that you've seen. Let me look at the next slide real quick, Ian. Newsweek's uh, most responsible companies, number one in real estate uh, in 2023, Fitwell built best 
building health award winner and so on i'm not going to read all of them yeah. but is data the foundation here yeah yeah so so when companies uh, approach us because you know the, the the sec is coming out with disclosure rules and in the last year you know so a number of our peers are trying to figure out like how do they how do they tackle their sustainability um, an impact program. And I always say that you have to establish a common denominator, right? A common denominator across your properties and it starts with data. So it's either, you know, measuring from pulse meters or getting your, your invoice data so you can measure and compete even internally, like between your regions, between your properties and measure. So, you know, starting there allowed us to get uh, confidence um, in our ability to actually make commitments, publicly declare uh, commitments. Our first set of commitments, Chuck, we came out with um, with confidence and we went on this journey and we we achieved those three years early and we restated them and we achieved those early, right? So so data for me uh, is, uh, is, you know, is a foundational kind of, uh, uh, and so now we have diminishing returns on this on this journey and we're thinking about like, what is the next set of tools that you need to apply to specific assets or a group of assets where we're doing a number of experimentation, um, you know, with monitoring and the tool sets and the and amplified tool, tool sets um, at different properties. And so that's that's the next chapter. You get you you can you can do a lot though with with just establishing a base layer that allows you to to be thoughtful and to compete. And then you've got to think about okay, what's the next set of tools? Not every property needs these tools. Uh, but that's really the next the next chapter um, that we're you know we're we're focused we've been focused on the last couple of years. So I just wanted to highlight that because if uh, for those of you watching that is the model. You know we said I think they uh, coined the term data is a new oil probably what two three years ago. It's no kidding. It's no kidding. You got to have this in order if you're, in order to compete. Speaking of uh, co compete, your number two solution providers either align or they don't. Does that mean? These three to five thousand dollars, five thousand prop tech companies is going to drop drastically in the next twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just I, again we've had again we've had an, a period of unprecedented investment, separate from the enablers I was talking about, like just the sheer number of dollars that have come in from an investment perspective, and I, that, that that's been great, right? But not you know now we're in a, a period of rationalization of that, and the capital flows have kind of kind of kind of dried up a little bit right chuck so so in my in my mind we you know we 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 are you know we do take uh, and adopt solutions in um and you know i i am for example shutting two of them down that we started during covid that didn't make the jump to to scale right yeah, talk and a little bit talk a little bit more you know, about that those these yeah. these, these uh these uh, prop tech solutions and these these projects, yeah, but, but but others make it through, right? So others make it through and scale scale with us uh, and scale across our environment. So I, I do think it's really a, a you know you have to be willing to number one innovate, right? And to, and and to and, and to, but but recognize when things don't work out. Um, don't get the return. Don't scale. You know, you you can't be afraid to 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 move, right? And and to and to structure. So so that's the and also the market the market changes um, from a solution and where you where you source solutions. So yeah, I think the uh, shutting things off when they're not working. I think that's such a hard thing for people to do. You know, cut cut your losses, fail as fast as possible. I think that we've heard that so many times, what great advice it is, but in reality, don't just keep pouring money into a project that's not working. Finally, uh, facilities moving to the cloud. As soon as you say that, a shiver goes up my spine thinking about cybersecurity. 
the AI, AI based cyber attacks now and that complexity. Now, it's not just now getting you, you can protect your systems. We know how to do that. Now you're talking about building, building entrance, building security. Uh, it, it opens up a whole nother. Well, it's already here today, uh, Chuck. I, I just, I, it, the reality is uh, we have already have systems in the cloud. And um, it's uh, all I'm saying is that every system is moving to the cloud that's running a facility. So how do you, how does an industry, do we, we go on that journey? I mean, you know, I, I know BXP is one of the co-founders of the Real Estate Cyber Consortium that you mentioned earlier. I don't think it's something we all should be solving and figuring out ourselves. It's a communal effort and a community. The best share and the best practice sharing that we do as a community uh, helps us all. It's not a competitive advantage on cyber, right? So, all right. Make note of the time of the of this we, of this webinar, uh, so that if we don't do anything else, tell people to go back and listen to what you just said about this community group. That's where Realcom comes in. So, uh, let me bring in Ilan Zakari, he's the Chief Technical Officer from CAR. And uh, I, I just want to ask you both a quick question uh, about Railcom. So if you don't mind, hello, Alan, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Just want to make sure your mic is still working. Both of you are frequent contributors, partners, forums, webinars, live interviews, not just at Realcom, but many, many other conferences. What is it about Realcom that, that gets you jazzed? Let's start, Elon, uh, since you just came on. I think that when I speak with uh, with peers that don't know of Realcom or even with uh, solution providers, I tell them that it's the largest global non-biased CRE interactive platform that allows to share and learn uh, with my peers. And you know what? And then Im immediately I see people trying to log in and say, okay, who's Realcom? Why haven't we heard of them yet? Uh, and that's what I see Realcom for. You know, I learn, I share, um, and I interact with my peers. Awesome, Did you, uh, Jim. What do you think? Yeah, I just echo. I mean, it is it is the de facto meeting place of our peer group uh, for Alan and I. And when I can have 100, 100 conversations in a <laughs> literally 100 conversations a lot, uh, you know, with our peers, uh, it is the, is the most effective community um, platform in our industry for our peer group. So. All right. And Jim Young, who's watching in the wings here, didn't pay either one of you guys to say that. So that's pretty I impressive. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jim. Um, Great, all right. Elon, uh, give us a sense of uh, CAR, how the 2023 has gone and what are you, what are you looking forward to? So I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of things are very similar to what, what Jim has been talking about before. Um, you know, we are definitely much smaller in size than Jim. Um, you know, compared to him, we're almost like a boutique company. Uh, but you know, a lot of it has is, is the same here. So I won't, uh, I won't repeat that. I uh, will talk about a little bit about what you uh, talked about the Deloitte uh, report. That uh, the way we see it, that you know, the companies with the strong balance sheets. Um, you know, may have stopped development and CARC is one of them, right? So we don't, so we don't have new development. We don't have uh, new construction uh, going on, or we don't, you know, really are looking at uh, the, the acquisitions right now because it's not the best time for acquisitions, but, you know, having a strong portfolio and being able to renew these leases just because the portfolio itself and the asset class itself is very strong does allow us to build optimization and build um, everything that we need to just be right there on the on, on the start line that whenever things you know had hit rock bottom and now are starting to go start to go up that we can kick kick off and, and we can actually start taking advantage of that and that also follows up with a lot of technological projects that we're actually working on for us 2023 was more of a 
um, make use of what you have, uh, leverage what you have, build on top of it. Um, you know, we sort of like took, you know, every company has from the back office has their ERP system and, you know, and, and everything that happens with that ERP system. For us, we also are focusing on the on the operational side of it, on the field side of it, which is, you know, for me, the ERP of the of the building is our facility management system. And, you know, even though we've implemented, you know, many elements in the cyber side of it, many elements uh, from from the facility side of it, bringing them all together, um, you know, I, I equate this almost to like the transformers, right? You have each individual transformer has each other has has their strength and and has their abilities. But now you take these transformers and you and you connect them together and you have this, you know, you know, massive transformers that are it's much exactly like a Voltron or like an Optimus Maximus or any of those that eventually are much stronger because all of the pieces talk together. And that was something for us that we're working on 2023. Uh, 2024 for us is leveraging our data, and, I, and, and Jim spoke about data, and Jim before that spoke about data, and you're speaking about data, but we've been in data for the last, you know, I would say five years, collecting data, harnessing data, um, and using data for us and uh, is, is critical, but now having our data, we can leverage the data. So AI doesn't scare us because we have the data to work with it. You know, I, I think that people underestimate the value of their own data versus data that they can purchase or they can leverage from existing companies. When you use general data that comes in, it's almost like two patients coming into the doctor with the same, with, with the same uh, symptoms and the doctor generalizing them while doing well, if they had, if the, the doctor had now questions every one of these patients and collects data and information and history of every one of these patients, the diagnosis and the treatment could be totally different. And I think that that's where your data comes into place is not the optimization that you're guaranteed um, of the 50, 60 percent of the of leveraging the solution that is going to come in. But it's the additional 20, 30 percent on top of it because your data plays a huge value in there. Why do you think when it comes to data, we're still talking about data silos in 2023 and going into 2024? I think we're talking about data silos because companies haven't really embraced the fact that data um, data has to data is not giving the the, the picture of that the companies should actually want. People are go into data projects or get, get decide to start going into a they start very they go very big because they see what is out the companies that are doing it so they say well I want that too and they can't digest it at one time and then when they start bringing in the data they don't know what to do with it there's no there, there, there's no uh, methodology there's no process internally and 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 sometimes they get inundated with data like IAQs for example you get millions of records on a daily basis you don't even know what to do with them so, so and, and every department decides to go in and bring in their own data and work with their own data, not understanding that all of that has to work together. Do you, speaking of IAQ then, do you agree with Jim facilities are moving to the cloud? Facilities are moving over to the cloud and a, a lot of the solutions are moving over into the cloud. But I, I do believe that eventually every one of these, uh, you know, the, the stronger companies will not necessarily rely on the cloud-based solutions, but we'll rely on the uh, on the consolidation of those cloud systems into their own cloud presence. Well, you um, when you think about that, and I'm, the very first thing I mentioned was the cyber piece. Uh, you, you were part of the cyber forum. 
uh, your colleague Aaron Alsher, you know, talked about cyber and 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 that piece. Um, has cybersecurity become a, a a business pillar at CAR? What do you? How would you describe that based on that and the data that goes along with it? We actually separated cyber into two different pieces in in uh, at CAR. So you know where usually you have like your corporate HQ traditional cyber. Um, and then we also have our asset cyber. You know, usually companies will do an 80-20 split, meaning they'll split eight, they'll spend 80% of their cyber budget on their HQ, on their traditional cyber, and 20% on their asset, if at all. We actually flipped it around. Now, our 80% of our spend on cyber today is on the asset level cyber because we do believe that you know that the traditional cyber is pretty uh you know rock solid you know what you're doing you know how you're doing all the tools are out there there's a million and one vendors that are out there but when you come to the asset level cyber it's not money it's not uh it, it, it now you're dealing with people's likes security cctv access control elevators hvac you know all these kind of components and because of that you know the emphasis sits there and we built a very robust program that sits around the assets uh, you know, to, to be able to protect it. And I, I would just note to the live audience and those watching this as a recording, you did publish an article with Realcom in uh, uh, April of 24 called Managing Organizational Anxiety. And nothing could give you more anxiety, I think, than this modern cybersecurity story. So what's, what's your message to CEOs and CIOs regarding this piece and uh, how they might emulate something what you've done? I think that you need to, un A, you need to start. And you need to start somewhere. And I think that you can start very easily when understanding the different systems that you've got inside of your building and understand the risks that if something happens to those systems, that they you actually have a response for them. It can be as simple as backups of your actual devices themselves, is endpoint solutions on different building building networks, or even just the setup of the network itself in the building, instead of having 10 different ISPs each providing uh, service to one, create one network, and then be able to sort of like gatekeep or, or, or safeguard that network. Those are the building blocks. And slowly every year, I mean, I, I, I compare it almost to like to the flu vaccine. Every year you need to get a flu vaccine because it's not it's not strong enough from what you took from last year. There's a new, new trends in it. So think of it like a flu vaccine. Every year, just add to it and add to it and add to it. Well, and I think the current strain will be AI based as well. You know, it's not, AI is not just uh, uh, escalating and becoming much more sophisticated on the white hat side. It is, mm -hmm. there's some very dark uh, components of that as well. Uh, I don't know if, if your final thought. So it, one thing I will say about, about cyber, uh, about the cyber and, and the asset cyber is that even though all these systems are eventually moving into the cloud, one thing keep in the back of your mind when developing all your systems inside of an actual building, always have in mind autonomous disconnected, which means that if at any given time there is a threat out there and I decide to pull the cables off that my building is not connected to the internet anymore, I, my building will continue working. And that's the philosophy that we're, we, work, we work with, with regards to that if anything ever happens and I unplug the building from the internet, the building will continue working. All right, 48 minutes into the webinar, mark that one too, a little bit of advice from uh, Ilan Zakar. Thank you, Ilan, we'll, we'll bring you, you back on. I, I wanna hear a word from, uh, from Building Engines real quick before we bring on our next guest. 
In commercial real estate, success starts with the building. The best-run properties deliver the best tenant experiences, driving more revenue and boosting your NOI. It's what exceptional building operations is all about. But while the equation is simple, getting there is anything but, especially as your portfolio grows. Enter PRISM by Building Engines. PRISM is CRE's most modern, most innovative, and most powerful building operations platform, uniquely designed to help you increase NOI from a single building to thousands of commercial properties. PRISM's broad and deep feature set is built on two decades of helping CRE companies achieve operational excellence, including core features for best-in-class operations, innovative tools to boost the tenant experience, and unique solutions you won't see from any other ops provider. In today's mobile world, PRISM is right there with you, ensuring everyone from engineers to tenants have access to the info they need anytime, anywhere. The platform's open API infrastructure connects seamlessly with your in-house systems, delivering a best-of-breed CRE tech stack. And personalized reports provide the insights to keep property teams efficient, tenants up to speed, and owners armed with actionable data on the health of their buildings. The result? Lower operating expenses, higher tenant satisfaction, and rising revenues. PRISM is your key to unlocking greater NOI. See why the world's most successful companies have chosen building engines to increase operational efficiency for more than 3 billion square feet of commercial real estate worldwide. Visit buildingengines.com to schedule a free demo and see the power of PRISM today. All right, our next guest is Bryn Hogan. She's Director of Product Management at Building Engines. Bryn, welcome. Thank you. And just to get started, uh, and again, uh, I, I, you, you, you sound great. You're looking great. Uh, you, you, everything, you, if, you, if, you were, if you were sick yesterday, you couldn't tell. So no one's gonna catch anything from Bryn today. So that's good. Bryn, give us a, uh, the audience a sense of your background and kind of how you become now a thought leader with, the, with with what's going on in building engines. And we're so glad you're here. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, tough act to follow after Jim and Alon, but um, I've not been in the industry as long as the, the, the tenure on the call necessarily, but I've been with building engines for about 11 years now. And that went from working really closely with the like boots on the ground team members helping to align the product building engines prism with the client with with how their operations team was operating at each property so that was at a very kind of tighter close level um more strategic tactical perspective and then over the last six years or so i've shifted into working with our product team as a product manager and now director of product so that includes much more evaluation of you know, market trends and working with our client advisory board to understand what are the hot topics and um, pain points that that all different levels within the organization are experiencing and feeling. So we have kind of different versions of our client advisory boards. Um, so that's what I've been kind of focusing on over the last six years now. Okay. All right. Now, uh, building engine has been quite a transition in 2023. Maybe can you describe some of the changes and enhancements, efficiency gains that are going on there? Yeah. So, so 2020 through 2023 really has been a, a whirlwind for technology to kind of, especially in CRE, to try to 
match what our clients are experiencing, which feels like it ebbs and flows as we go from, you know, half of a year to the next half and, you know, lots of changes. So 2023 is where it feels like it's become a little bit more, okay, we're back, we have people back to work, we're kind of understanding the trends a little bit more. And then we've had a bunch of new items coming to the table. So 2023 has queued us up for an exciting and really challenging set of goals as we're going into 2024, not just to evolve with the market, but to innovate and kind of lead some of the market trends of what we're introducing into our product. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, about 40% of our plan next year will of our software revenue is actually going to be driven by innovation against the industrial sector sustainability and AI offerings right now. So all the all the talk we've been hearing, everything everyone set up to this point, really resonating with me that we're on the right track with our clients on what's critical right now. Um, and within wow. that, we, I was going to say, Mark, Mark, uh, 54 minutes into the uh, into the webinar, uh, if somebody wants to fast forward and listen to what Bryn just said you, you need to get that data together in those buildings and prepare for 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 AI. Go, uh, yeah. go ahead. Anything else? Any other efficiency gains that you're seeing with that? Um, just that we laid down in 2023 the foundation of vendor management. We saw the um, we we saw the writing on the wall with industrial creeping up in market demand, and so we're we've positioned ourselves in 2024 to really invest even more on top of the foundation we built of like the full life cycle RFP all the way through to extracting those payables to go back into your accounting system. Now, uh, we heard from you know Jim and I think agreement, a lot of the building operations are going to the cloud. And I know we'll get deeper into it next week uh, with, with building engines. And uh, But what advice would you give to those watching right now, you know, 55 minutes into this, uh, who are just starting to embark on this building operations efficiency journey? Yeah, I think the first thing you heard from some team members on this call there, I think the first thing is to set goals, because I think Boston Properties, for instance, is probably going to have different goals than some other companies in the industry listening to this webinar. Um, so I think that's the first thing is set the goals of what it is you're trying to achieve from an efficiency perspective. And in general, as AI is becoming much more prominent in CRE tech, the the having that consistent and reliable data is going to become a critical aspect of generative AI. So to start gaining efficiencies and continue to improve, it sounds really simple, but we find that a lot of clients aren't necessarily standardized on an operational system. So standardizing, and I'm saying that because we have one, but standardizing on an operational <laughs> system that houses all this core data about the property that's happening day in and day out, that's allowing you to really compare apples to apples and standardize what your data looks like is going to be critical as you think Alon said you transformer it and suddenly you have all these different technologies coming into play and coming together to create a larger data image um and so i think that's really the core thing and leading into that is data lake is huge right now bringing all that data into one source well, the uh, yeah, we'll go back to the transformer uh, analogy. I like that. Uh, clearly, the fewer the fewer transformers you have to assemble, the more powerful your Voltron is going to be at the end. Would you agree? Uh, if I if I if I've got tw five, that's way better than dealing with twenty five. Yes, 
yes, it's much more streamlined and you're more likely to have data that works together, right? That gets you that picture of, of where to put your focus. And then we know without data, your Gen AI needs that data to train up and understand how to interact. All right, in our final minute here, tell me about, because I saw this term JLLGPT. What does that mean? And what are you planning to do with it in the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, so I think it's just a nod to the the investment we've made. So in August of this year, we introduced JLLGPT. Um, in the words of our CTO, Yao Morin, um, using JLLGPT in our secure computing environment, our global real estate experts will be able to deliver faster smarter insights to our clients. So this is an example where, you know, we've taken all of this data, we really spent a lot of time organizing it, pulling it together in a meaningful way to drive that learning component of Gen AI. Um, and that's now available to our employees within JLLT. Um, but in terms of the next 12 to 18 months, there'll be ways that that's being used by JLL, but we are investing a lot of our 2024 budget into Gen, Gen AI because too, I think it was Jim Jim's point, he mentioned it being the equivalent of the internet. I, I've heard that as well as like when the iPhone came to market, it's just a total shift in technology. And if, you, if you're not there and you're not introducing that into your solutions, it's you're just not gonna keep up with the market. I made a note to come back. I'll ask you about this too. And whenever we bring everybody back on on the panel, but uh, I think some companies are hesitating to get too deep into it because they think companies like yours is going to take care of it for them. So uh, think about that and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal yeah. with that when we come back on the, the group. Thank you, Bryn. Appreciate it. Uh, we got a short video from Predict AP I want to play. Thank you, Bryn. Everything in real estate accounts payable has been automated except invoice coding. Coding invoices for approval and payment still relies on manual data entry. It's slow, error-prone, and just not scalable. Predict AP was founded by real estate insiders to automate invoice coding. They tried everything else first, OCR, outsourcing, but every solution fell short of actual coding. Predict AP fully automates invoice coding for real estate companies. Unlike other solutions, Predict AP provides fully coded invoices ready for your existing automated AP workflows. It works with your current AP automation system so you can keep the workflow you already trust. Your AP team can review the coded invoices, revise or accept our predictions, and send to your AP workflow with one click. Get your AP team out of the data entry business and onto higher value work. Automate invoice coding with Predict AP. All right, very good. Let me welcome uh, Ben Bishman. Ben is the senior vice president, uh, and uh, he's with uh, Bridge Industrial. Uh, a, a, a tremendous amount of experience. Ben, uh, quick, just if you could, just a quick 10 seconds on your background, and I want to talk about some of, the, of uh, BI's notable accomplishments, so, so, so people know who you are. Great. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. You know, I don't come from a CIO, CTO background, so I'm copiously taking notes, and um, you know, I've spent 20 years in, in the third party property management world and now I've transitioned over the bridge two years ago um, to an owner operator developer. And they are uh, in a transitional period here where they're moving from merchant developer to a, a vertically integrated investment management, asset management, property management uh, 
firm. So it's it's been a being able to take 20 years of third-party management and seeing what doesn't work and be able to apply it to you know building a brand new platform from the ground up has been has been a lot of fun. We'll talk a little bit about your your time now with Bridge and and in 2023, what were some of the notable notable accomplishments, particularly uh, projects involving both technology and operations. Sure. So you know, prior, Bridge has been around since about 2000. Their merchant build model. Um, Four years ago, really started to move into an owned operator platform. So I came on two years ago. We had roughly had five million square feet of owned assets that we provided management services for. That today, two years later, is 25 million square feet, and we're we got 30 million square feet coming out of the ground. Um, so you know, we've in the two years we looked, we had some ability to really future plan what our needs were going to be. So the last two years, we've been basically rewriting all policies and procedures around, including you know, adopting some technology um, around uh, uh, lease administration, our full procurement process, which includes vendor management, insurance compliance. We've you know, uh, Prism has been a great partner of ours. We've employed Prism. Uh, we've uh, worked, you know, around our capital management uh, plans, ESG and energy management, employing shadow metering, security and access control is are all things that we, you know, employed or, or you know, have a roadmap around uh, now implementing, but now leveraging, you know, to make sure that we're, you know, leveraging Prism to to most of their ability to get the data that we need out of there. Power. Okay, and. Uh... All right, good. And let me follow up with another question because I, I do, uh, we, we are, you, we did come on and you, you mentioned Predict AP. Mm -hmm. uh, for those that may not be familiar with it, talk about that a little bit and maybe the percentage of improvements in your payables process that maybe a little bit on the before Predict AP and then now, what are you, what are you, what are you realizing? So um, Predict AP is, is a software that we implemented uh, earlier this year. Uh, Dave Stifter, founder myself, uh, worked together 18 years ago. He was uh, worked for a client of ours, so long history together. And when he came out of this product, we were one of the earlier adopters. But again, we were in a mode where we were going to scale quickly. We were looking to see where there's some easy, um, quick ROIs, quick implementations that could help us leverage how we're using our staff and moving them from more of a manual process of inputting invoices to a review and you know analysis stage. So uh, Predict AP, you know, it was really easy quickly to look at the ROI. You know, we can code invoices four times as fast. We get invoice today. It's, you know, cut and out the door tomorrow. Um, so it is, uh, has really helped us um, support our portfolio without growing headcount. Excellent. And, and what advice would you have for someone who's considering it? Well, I mean, this is really our first foray to true AI and, you know, what I, really enjoyed about the process is this is a very specific need within most real estate firms and it's a you know process that everyone goes through and this is a very deep and narrow solution for that problem and the implementation on this and you know as i hear you know uh everyone comment here ai is you know the implementation time is period there is is weeks not months so you're really time to value is 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 greatly accelerated. So we were able to see, you know, um, you know, value in the, in a very short period of time. 
All right, 64 minutes in and Ben gets another quote. He gets a bookmark on the uh, webinar for people to fast forward and listen to Ben's advice there. Um, we talked a little bit about some uncertainty in the market when I showed my slides at the beginning. Do you feel like, uh, especially companies with office portfolios, do you feel like they're hesitating to, to partner with technology groups? Uh, what, what are you seeing in that part of the industry? You know, the, I spent a lot of time in the third party world on the office side, but really focused primarily in the last 10 years on industrial. So, I mean, I, I can point my comments that way. I mean, the industrial market, even in this financial insecurity, our fundamentals are still there. Um, there is some softening in, in some markets, but, you know, in the core infill markets that Bridge uh, really participates in, you know, we, we've realized that those are still competitive. And in order for us to stay competitive in those markets, we've kind of shifted and and created substantial budget in 2024 to really continue to define our data ecosystem ecosystem we're you know focusing on enterprise data strategy um so that really all our business lines our property management grew this much in two years but so did our legal and hr asset management investment management they're all working on you know their data silos and we're really trying to break down those silos so that's really going to be our focus in 24. um so from the i mean i I hesitate to comment on the office world just because it, it, it really seems like it's it's a tale of two worlds at the moment. It, so. it can. It's it's it certainly can be. Um, I wanted to see uh, also, you know, you 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 manage this operate in the national portfolio, and I think some of the buildings. What causes a building to progress faster than than others, or do you have a prioritization? How are you how are you deciding which buildings to put technology in, which ones to hold off on? How's that go? So, I mean, our portfolio is really, uh, our pipeline is our development. So we have a, you know, a great feedback loop from our management side back to the development side. So even, you know, and our, you know, our portfolio is three years old. So as we are finding technology solutions, we're going back retrofit buildings, but then figuring out how to build that into the design process. So we're really bringing that floor up on all buildings, hopefully simultaneously. Um, you know, the challenge comes in in acquisitions and the B properties and second generation type space. But, you know, we're putting strategies around that as well to get those, um, you know, to be able to provide us data uh, in the same manner. I, I, I had some challenges with that in my experience, uh, sometimes uh, not being part of the acquisitions process. Are you, do you feel like you influence the acquisitions process in the sense of if the company's looking to buy something new, new, new acquisition? Uh, is there an evaluation? Is there an assessment when it when it comes to this process? Yep, there are ESG scorecards, resilience scorecards. You know, we're really in there on the front end, helping figure out what what uh, you know the repositioning strategy is, and it's got to include. Uh, we feel um, you know data and sustainability if if we're going to continue to be you know on the on the you know high level competition. So. All right, last last thought here before I bring everybody back on. Uh, uh, if someone's on here and they are, they also have an industrial portfolio, uh, is there some problem, some landmine that you could help them not step on? In the industrial world, landmines, uh, it, you know, it, it's just a different mindset. It's, you know, you have smaller management teams and, you know, a lot of rooftops, a lot of, uh, you know, properties or data sets aren't as deep but they're wider. So, you know, it's just getting the mentality around uh, th that kind of data. It's not as deep a data pool. It's just wide over, you know, 
multiple, multiple assets. So you got to take your approach to that rule, whether it's accounting, ESG, metering, anything. So is the threat to cybersecurity uh, attacks in an, in an industrial environment significantly lower? I would argue yes, only because we really don't have common area space. So we're really controlling two rooms within you know, the whole building that tends to be your, you know, your fire light safety room and your, you know, your electric room. So, um, you know, if we can put protocols around that, we feel pretty good about that. Most for structured, the tenants handle really most of their operations within the space. I, I'd say you have your challenges uh, set up for that because I uh, uh, can't tell you how many times I go into one of those rooms and see a wires, net, bird's nest of wire yeah. connecting different things together, passwords written on the whiteboard. Uh, you know, it's just a, a nightmare. So we could we could probably talk about that. Let me have let me invite the uh, the rest of the panel to join us, and then uh, we'll have a little uh, roundtable discussion. So if you guys could all turn your cameras on. We'll finish up here in the next uh, 18 minutes or so of, of what we have. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, to Bryn really quickly uh, because I think we might kick a beehive here in the sense of uh, uh, in indoor air quality. You know, we thought that is going to be a, a major issue. What are you seeing in the uh, in the industry? Yeah, so we we really do invest a lot of time in collecting information from our clients. I kind of mentioned that. And so we, we actually started building indoor air quality. Like we already have something you can turn on, but we paused because of the feedback we were getting from our clients. And that was stemming around more desire to see support around amenity upgrades in spaces to try to lure tenants back into the spaces for office and sustainability and in integrating with energy star to pull all that data for the ratings on properties um i call it gresby but i think it's really gresb <laughs> but i think gresby sounds cuter <laughs> um integrating with that to pull that data in so we had started down the path of indoor air quality when it peaked and then we were getting different feedback from our client base. And so we pivoted on what was more critical and important to them going into 2020, the second half of 2023, but also 2024. Um, and that's not to say that it's not, it's not to discount the importance of indoor air quality, but within the operational system, we were hearing that it felt less critical to have that data flowing back into the operational system than some of these other. Ben, um, is your, you have a similar perspective? Ben? Um, so, you know, in the industrial segment, I would say we're probably lagging the office side on indoor air quality. Um, you know, we're really driven by what our users are doing inside the space. So they, again, are customizing their space uh, pretty heavily. It is, you know, we know it's on the forefront. We know some of the larger occupiers have, uh, are starting to dress it within their own spaces. So we, we're, you know, we're cognizant that it's likely going to come back into our space you know in the near future and you know there's gonna to have to be design implications that we need to address jim whalen uh, i just would say you know yeah i mean we as a provider of premier workspaces to the demographic of who we serve healthy high-performing workspaces is important and doing a test once or twice a year is not adequate you need to move to a, a, a monitoring program and the technology is enabling that so totally agree yeah. Ilan? 
Same as Jim, and I'll add to that, that in order to um, incorporate AI and incorporate uh, building automation, you need to have the IAQ data because it's more granular. And in some cases, it's in, it, it, it has better and accurate uh, readings than the existing sensors that have in the building itself. Yes, it's a very, it's a very, it's a variable, dependent variable. <laughs> yep. Lisa, are you uh, suspecting to see more of these measures uh, with your vendor community at uh, Realcom events or flat? What, any predictions of uh, trending here? You're muted, I think, Lisa. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to forget to push that little button. There you go. See, <laughs> we can, that's why we catch it quick, though. That's good. That's right. That's All right. right. Vendor, I mean, vendor, vendor trending towards, let's just open up not just indoor air quality, but sensors in general. What are you seeing as far as their exposure to the to the expo's floor and the, and the, and the Realcom community? Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to continue to be part of the larger suite of services. I think a lot of the a lot of the companies realize it's, that it's got to be a component of the you know of the whole process and of the whole solution that they offer. Um, I think it was I think it was really top of mind coming out of the of the pandemic. Of course, everybody was worried about um, you know the quality of of air, but now as more and more um, you know other elements are are you know playing a role and other other challenges and other problems. I think it's just I think it's part of the suite, part of the offering, and I think there'll be a lot more companies that are that have that as as part of their um, as part of you know their solution. So I think I don't think it's going to be going away and I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to be a, a downward trajectory by any stretch. I think it'll I think it'll stay pretty solid. OK, but, good. but good. Chuck, but Chuck, going back <clears throat> to the FOMO cycle conversation. OK, indoor air quality is a base fundamental right of a tenant, in my opinion. OK, and let's go back 25 years with moldy air filters. OK. So the pandemic comes and brings all this attention to indoor air quality because of the spread of the virus. We had a COVID lab uh, in Denver and in Scottsdale, a lot of interest, a lot of interest. And I think Jim and Alon are two of the people who've stuck with it. The majority of our industry is not sticking with it. And, and to Bryn's point, they're pivoting to making sure the lobby is attractive to make sure the tenants like coming back to what, a building with, with not clean air? That, what I, that's why I said earlier, we need comprehensive, mature, ongoing strategies that don't go through these hype and FOMO cycles. So indoor air quality becomes a fundamental part of a building and not yeah. just something we yeah. take on yeah. and off the table. Yeah, but going back to Elon's point, it's, it's a fundamental data point in your data model if you're gonna self-tune, self-commission a building. Mm -hmm. So the long-term play is it, it needs, it's a, it's a variable that needs to be part of the model um, from a data, mm -hmm. data perspective. So yeah, I, right. I was disappointed I, when Bryn said that. I was really yeah, <laughs> let me let me pivot here because again we'll we'll focus on the operational side a little bit more. Uh, Howard, let me bring you in on this because you've got such a perspective from the uh, international community. Uh, we mentioned data, data integration, cybersecurity. How how what how does Europe compare, say, and Asia to to what we're doing here in the West, U.S. The focus wise. Well, I think there 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 are differences, you know, between Europe and uh, and Asia. Um, I known companies that have been on the uh, that have been measuring and monitoring um, uh, interior environments, even to the 
even to the point of embedding uh, sensors in concrete slabs and construction to measure vibration in the buildings going back 10 years in, in Australia they uh, there's been a there's been a tremendous focus um, but you know I, I and I, I see it a little bit less uh, in Europe right now uh, but there is certainly an interest uh, you know in, in figuring out how we can drive better ESG and sustainability and um, uh, you know and productivity outcomes um, you know, I think we've done, actually, I think we've, we've made a lot of progress right here in the States, um, with it. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of a lot of the work that we've done. Um, but, um, still, um, you know, I, I think there's still a, a ways to go in terms of, you know, creating the feedback loops, loops where we can take that data, occupancy data, we can take the in, indoor air quality data. Um, and, uh, and and create kind of autonomous algorithms to you know to you know, to to compensate for those and uh, and to better run better optimize our building conditions. Um, so I you know I it's it's important you know talking about uh, indoor air quality. I think you know Jim was right. I mean I think a lot of the hype was around you know viral loads and managing viral viral loads in 2020. Um, uh, but I think, you know, basic, good quality, um, uh, air, air quality is, is just fundamental to human health and well-being. And, um, uh, I think, uh, it's, I, landlords recognize that. I think tenants recognize it. Um, and, uh, it, you just, it's just foundational, you know, right now. I got, one, I got one thing for you, Chuck, that, you know, you companies are getting rewarded for doing it, too. So if you look at the fit world, you look at the ULs, you look at all the different types of associations that come in and do a one to two, one to two audits on a yearly basis. If you do have active running sensors, some of them will even credit you that you don't need to do the second audit of the year in order to get your certification, which is direct savings to the company. So that's part of our, when we look at it, it's a, it's a savings to the, I mean, it was an expense, but now it's a, we also see savings that come by doing it in addition to the added value that the data provides us. But you're, again, th thinking, focusing on the data, uh, you, you also mentioned too, these sensors generating millions of data points a day. Yeah. So how, how, Jim Whalen, do you have uh, advise a company? They're like, I, I'm not even sure what our accounting, if our accounting data is accurate, you know, much less uh, uh, sensor data in a building. How, how do they get that? They're tiny bits of record, uh, but there's the cloud, right? So the cloud enables us to consume, store, analyze. Uh, so again, I just, I, I, I don't, I think all those issues, all those issues, Chuck, are I just if you have you're properly aligned, all those issues of compute compute and storage are are not. But Chuck, but at the at the, at the point of consuming AI, but, but to that data set might be might be an issue in this early these early innings right now. But so at the front of this conversation, though, you need you need people to be motivated. At Buildings AI in Cortec 23, in the middle of Silicon Valley, in a premier hotel. One of the vendors put indoor air quality sensors on a table, wasn't even connected to the cloud. And, and we, the, the air in that room was horrific. Okay, so, so even if we took that not connected data to the building owner, to the manager, what luck do you think we would have getting them to do anything about it? That's, we got to get to the motivation. 
behind it. I, I, who, who's going to embarrass them to the point where they do it? Is it, is it the stick? Is it a carrot? I think we got to get to the motivational part of this conversation. All right, let me yeah. let me pivot. Let me pivot because we, I don't want to get stuck on indoor air quality. I, I, I knew it was going to be a I knew it was going to be a beehive when I asked it. But Jim, <laughs> I, I want to go to uh, the you know the first set of slides that I showed you. A lot of negativity, pessimism, uh, risk associated with the outlook. Uh, we think about capital markets. We think about um glo the uh the geopolitical factors that are happening across the world how does that impact your thoughts when it comes to the next 12 to 18 months of what you know we talked about companies focusing in on technology data cyber how does something like that though uh you get a ceo that says i can't think about those things i get we're concerned about staying alive right what are you what are your thoughts on that which Jim? Uh, Jim Young, sorry. Jim Young. Uh, well, I, I, I hopefully you get Jim Whalen and, and the real estate guys' opinions on this because they're living it. From our vantage point, uh, for at least the last 18 months, we felt knew when the market turned or was going to turn. But at the end of the day, when I say paradigm shift earlier on, I meant it. We've been printing money since 2009. That would be 14 years. That money has been put into the system and allowed for you know, the projects both on the real estate and on the technology side that were not governed well, that created this bloat, okay? And and how buildings and tech companies, you know, went up 30, 40% of their value during a pandemic, I still don't understand what caused valuations to go through the roof, but now we're feeling that correction. So, you know, I've, I've gone through three and a half, four of these. The way we got out of the 1990s crisis with the Resolution Trust Corporation was the most efficient, effective process I've ever seen. We realized it was a problem. We, we took the hit. Everybody experienced pain. And we were quickly back to normal markets. I believe we're still in a kick the can down the road format. And, and the longer we do that, the bigger the pain is going to be at the end. So I don't know what the, the literal answer is, but tech, we're not getting out of this without technology. The good news for all of us on this call the way back to a healthy built environment, remote management, healthy tenants, happy tenants, immersive workplaces, technology's got a role. We just we just have to keep putting our, our fingers into the pie and knocking on those doors. And I think we should actually get even more aggressive with upper management saying, you're not getting back without us. All right, 83 minute bookmark for those of you keeping track of the best quotes. Jim Whalen, your thoughts on the- uh, I, I just said, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a, a cycle like we're in right now, uh, you know, I, I always say you double down on investments. I loved your quote earlier, Jim, that, you know, it, you'll, you'll see more, more adoption innovation because of the focus on ROI um, in like when you get, you know, you have the attention of the organization, you're not just greasing the skids, you're, you have focused attention to kind of reset. And uh, mm -hmm. I certainly see that, um, you know, across a number, uh, you know, a number of our aspects of our our systems and our platform. So, yeah. so Elon, your ears, and uh, and I think uh, talk a little bit about that, and maybe even when you think about a new technology-related project, how has your project approval process gone over the last couple of years? I'm going to say that, you know, most of our most of the CEOs, COOs, CFOs that are running the, the real estate markets today have gone through many cycles of downtime and then start coming back up. So they all understand that this is a cycle and have prepared 
some strong balance sheets, some strong foundations that when the hard time comes, they know how to deal with it. We can't grow, we can't develop, we can't invest, but at the same time, we can continue operating in the best possible way and, and, and wait until that, 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 that picks up. I think that in our end, what we're doing, what we're seeing is we're looking at projects that are actually, um, you know, are actually um, helping and supporting that, you know, that the, the, the lack of additional funding that is coming in. But when we are allowed to start investing in, these projects will come into place. So for example, if we look at our lab, or we're looking at low voltage lighting, then we test out low voltage lighting. And when we, we have now the ability, we have new processes and, and new uh, capabilities of in, 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 our, in our new construction projects that will start and our new development projects that will come up, we'll be implementing low voltage lighting, which will save us money, save us, you know, be higher on the sustainability. So that's how we're looking at it. Our projects are aligning with the business as we go, but we're not stopping because the economic market is down. Got it. Got it. I think that, and I think that it's a key, key factor too, when you have that relationship with the business executives and technology and uh, aligning those with the strategic objectives. Uh, let me come to you, Bryn, final thought for you on what we've been discussing uh, go forward in the, in the tw next 12 to 18 months, your expectation. Well, now I feel like I should say indoor air quality. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think the key takeaways for me, which I, again, like I felt a lot of alignment speaking with all of you over the last, you know, week and a half as we've prepared for this webinar, that it's like the some of the key items, Gen AI, data, sustainability, felt like the three key takeaways of what 2024 is going to bring. And all of those things together is what feels like it it's going to make that project planning for sustainability even more available to the more team members with AI involved and all the data brought to the table. Those That kind of felt like my takeaway from our conversations over the last couple of weeks. Ben, ben final thought? Um, just to, you know, add to Elon's comment that, you know, the, the capital investment is going to put the most competitive companies in the forefront. And, you know, as they, and that includes technology, operating systems, those savings realized there will help us continue to, you know, to push, you know, better product out there. It's just, you know, it, it's got to be part of, of the plan going forward. I totally agree. Howard, uh, final thought uh, and, and lean yours towards when you're thinking about subjects for 2024, Realcom, IBCon, Cortec, Buildings AI, when do you start thinking about that and, and how do you take, take something away from this and, and build that into your structure? And we're thinking about that now. We just, we, we've started already and our process is, uh, you know, talk to folks uh, in the industry, Jim, Elon, uh, Ben uh, and others, uh, hundreds of folks find out what their challenges are and develop program around those uh, those challenges, you know, kind of figure out ways that folks can get in the same room and share their experiences, share their, you know, share their insights, share their challenges, and actually find a way forward to move through them. So that process of collaboration, uh, and we're always iterating and trying to tweak that to, so that we can be more efficient at it. Uh, which is the goal this year. Um, our, our goal is, you know, we just want to eliminate the BS. 
you know. Okay. Okay. Just, All right. Let's, Lisa, let's, let's get down to the real. Let's get down to the real issues and 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 really, uh, you know, talk about uh, you know what what can move the needle forward. Lisa, final thought for your, you, you know, you got to sell for 2024, bring work with vendors, you're bringing everybody in, Expo floor. Uh, before we turn it over to Jim to close this out, what's, what's your last uh, thought here? I just think like like uh, like everyone has said, um, you know, in in years of when when you know there's lots of money and um, and things are going really well, you know, you can throw money at a lot of different things and and not have to worry so much about the risk. Um, and not so much about the accountability of it, but when things get lean, then you start, you know, you start being very thoughtful and very intentional about where you're putting your money and what projects you're working on. And and uh, and I think, um, you know, from a vendor perspective and going into 2024, I think that's what's going to be. I, I don't think that um, the spending of money is is um, is going to well, it will go down. But I mean, I think I think that that people are going to invest their money where it makes the most sense, and they're going to be a lot more accountable to where it's going and the results that they're getting from it. And, uh, and, and I just think that, um, that there's going to be a lot more collaboration and a lot more partnerships okay. between the vendor community and their clients. Totally agree. Yep. Jim, close us out and, and talk a little bit about next year. So the, the one thing that we, we talked an awful lot about back office operations, building efficiency, all incredibly important topics. One, one thing that we didn't get to was, the reason people want to get back into buildings, okay? The pandemic accelerated a 25-year process of mobility and mobile warriors and, and people buying retail online as opposed to going to a store. And then the pandemic just accelerated it all. I think we you have to have an equal amount of time and energy focused on tech-enabled, immersive, enhanced experiences. You know, in the old days, we went back to the we went to the office because the hundred thousand dollar photocopier was there and I couldn't afford one. So I had to go into the office. What is it going to take to get people back into the offices in the ways that we've seen in the past the, into the retail malls? We need new experiences that that bring physical space and technology together that encourage people to get back in these buildings. And, so, and, and as far as the conference, you know, uh, we're going to Tampa. We are excited. A uh, little different experience than Las Vegas. Um, you know, Vegas, lots of hotels and, you know, you know, we cram in there for three days this year. Uh, we're going to be on the waterfront in Tampa. The windows will be open uh, as it goes to indoor air quality. And, uh, and they just did a major renovation. But Tampa is going to be an incredibly good host city, not just because of its natural beauty and all the attributes that we can take advantage of for a conference. Jim, I can see a CI and Elon, I can see a CIO roundtable on a boat right outside that uh, convention center, something fun and interesting. So the natural uh, beauty and, and, and the, the reno newly renovated convention center, but a little extra um, benefit, we're going to be sitting literally a five, 10 minute walk to Tampa Waterfront uh, District, which is a smart district, a digital district built from the inception to bring 20, uh, you know, first century amenities to to these buildings. So I can see some tours, I can see some meetings. So, you know, we always are trying to be very thoughtful about where we go. And I think we, we hit the bullseye this year and are excited about uh, what we're gonna do um, this June. All right, well, thank you to uh, our sponsors for sure, all of our panelists for your time, effort, and uh, I, I had uh, uh, three hours more of questions, but we'll cut it off here. So uh, thank you again. <laughs> and. Uh, 
wish you all happy holidays as we prepare for our very last webinar of 2023 for next time. That's it for us. Thanks again. And we'll Thank you, see Chuck. You. Thank you all. Thank you, Thanks, Chuck. Chuck. Thank you everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks.